Go ahead and open up to 2 Chronicles chapter 5. 2 Chronicles chapter 5. If you have to use the table of contents for that, I did too, so it's okay. I I did too. It's all right. We are going to be finishing up a series this morning that we have been doing for the last, uh, this week, I think is week number six. We've been doing a series called A Church Like Home. And um, I don't know about you, but I've been super encouraged by what God's been doing in our times together the last few weeks. Anybody else? And uh, we are going to be finishing this up, and we've got one more, one more message. And, and the, the whole premise of our series, A Church Like Home, is, is not to talk about what does it mean to be a church like home where we have these 90-minute times together on Sundays that are really homey experiences. That's awesome, and I'm all for that, and I hope that you really feel welcome here. There's a sign at the front that says, Welcome Home. And we really don't want that to be a cliche or anything like that. I really do pray that when you walk in here, you feel welcome for, whoever, for who you are, wherever you are, all of that kind of stuff. But that's not what the series has been all about. We believe in the first week of this series, we started talking about that, that God's desire is that his church be a church like home and that his church be a people with whom he can live. That God wants to live with us in relationship. And we don't want to just be a church that happens. We don't just want to be a church that exists. We don't just want to be a church that has services. We want to be a church where God lives a people where God lives, because when God lives with us, anything's possible. And I need Jesus. And so I want him to live with me. And he wants to live with you. And so it works. That's what we've been digging into the last six weeks. Have anybody learned why wow, this works? God really wants to live with us. So we're going to finish up uh, our series this morning with one more message. And if, if you have your Bible out, that's a first step. Next step is have something out to take notes with. So uh, if your neighbor doesn't have notes out, give him an elbow. Because either something good's about to happen they're going to want to write down, or they'll be bored and they can doodle. Either way, it's a win for everybody. Right at the top of your page this morning, uh, the title for this message is Open Up the Doors. Open Up the Doors. A Church Like Home. Part six, Open Up the Doors. Somebody say, Open Up the Doors. Because a house becomes a home when you open up the doors and it gets occupied. Do you know that's the only thing that changed to make your house a home is when you filled it. And if we're going to be a church like home, I want us to be filled with God. Amen? So let's open up the doors. In 2 Chronicles chapter 5, we're going to read um, a chunk of verses. And as we go through it, there, there's a lot in it, and it re- references a lot of things that may not be kind of familiar or, or all of that. But, but we're not going to get kind of bogged down by some of these details and different things that it, it outlines. I want us to read this story kind of understanding the context. So in 2 Chronicles chapter 5, there's a king over Israel named Solomon. His dad was David, who wrote Psalm 23 that we read at the beginning, like King David, big deal. So King David had this dream in his heart that he wanted to build a home for God on the planet. He wanted to build him a temple. And David wasn't able to get around to building that temple. So when his son Solomon became king, Solomon kind of picked up the dream of building a house for God. And in 2 Chronicles 1 through 4, it kind of lays the groundwork for chapter 5. Solomon has this dream. He wants to build God a house, and he wants to build himself a house. Makes sense. And he decides, I'm going to build God's house first. And in the first four chapters of 2 Chronicles, it outlines kind of the process of what that looked like. There's just absolute absurd amount of resource that went into this thing. Tens of thousands of workers, years of work, all of this kind of stuff, outlining the detail of this incredible temple that Solomon was building. And he wasn't just building it to show off. He was building it because he believed that God had called the nation of Israel to be his people and that God wanted to dwell with his people. 
not because he was an exclusive God who only wanted to dwell with Israel, but because God knew that if he could dwell with one group of people, everybody else would see what it was like to be under the blessing of God, and they would realize, oh, there's a better way to do all of this. We want that God. So he wanted to build this house so that God could dwell and not just bless the nation of Israel, but that it could be kind of a, a manifestation of God himself for the whole world. It's a big dream. It's a big dream. So that's what the first four chapters are about. And when we pick up 2 Chronicles chapter 5, it's opening day of the temple. It's finished. They've built it, and it's, the day has finally come to open up the doors of the temple that they have built. So we're going to read uh, verses 2 through 14. So it's the rest of the, yep, 2 through 14. It's the rest of the chapter. Uh, can you stick with me for that many verses? Then Solomon assembled the elders of Israel and all the heads of the tribes, the leaders of the fathers' houses of the people of Israel in Jerusalem, to bring up the ark of the covenant of the Lord out of the city of David, which is Zion. And all the men of Israel assembled before the king at the feast that is the seventh month. And the elders, came, the elders of Israel came, the Levites took up the ark, and they brought up the ark, the tent of meeting, and all the holy vessels that were in the tent. The Levitical priests brought them up. And King Solomon and all the congregation of Israel who had assembled before him were before the ark, sacrificing so many sheep and oxen that they could not be counted or numbered. I think they heard the message last week about do not hold back, right? Just can't even count it. We're just given everything. Verse 7, then the priest brought the ark of the covenant of the Lord to its place in the inner sanctuary of the house in the most holy place underneath the wings of the cherubim. I'm not even exactly sure what those are, but we'll roll with it for the next few verses. The cherubim spread out their wings over the place of the ark so that the cherubim made a covering above the ark and its poles. And the poles were so long that the ends of the poles were seen from the holy place before the inner sanctuary, but they could not be seen from the outside. And there they are to this day. Good info. Verse 10. There was nothing in the ark except the two tablets that Moses put there at Horeb, where the Lord made a covenant with the people of Israel when they came out of Egypt. And when the priests came out of the holy place, for all the priests who were present had consecrated themselves without regard to their divisions, and all the Levitical singers, some names, and their sons and kinsmen arrayed in fine linen with cymbals, harps, lyres. They stood east of the altar with 120 priests who were trumpeters. It's a lot of trumpets. Is loud. If you thought it was loud here this morning, nothing compared to 120 trumpets. And it was the duty of the trumpeters and the singers to make themselves heard in unison in praise and thanksgiving to the Lord. Okay, let's pause there for a second. That's a lot, right? The bottom line is everybody's there. It says they had no regards for divisions, classes, careers, gender, race, none of that. It was just everybody, we're going to come around to the house of God. When we open up the doors, we're all coming. Everybody who's done their different parts, it doesn't matter if you're a big deal or you think you're a little deal. Everybody's coming. Everybody brought something to give because they thought, man, this is going to be amazing. We want to be a part of what God is going to do. And they have this massive band there singing. They're like, okay, we've built this house. We've kind of done what we can do. We've constructed this big temple. Now, kind of all we have left to do is, is give. Give to what God's going to do. And then, I guess past that, all we really have to do is sing a song. Let's, let's worship. That's why we worship on Sundays. Because when we believe God's about to show up, it's just, he's going to do it. So let's just sing about it. So they're about to sing this song. And, it's, and it's, it's an amazing song because it's simple. But it's so powerful. Picking up in verse 13. When the song was raised, the trumpets and the cymbals and other musical instruments and praises to the Lord. This is the song they sang. For he is good. Verse 1, for he is good. And the chorus, for his steadfast love endures forever. It's a good song. So they, they've gathered. 
with expectation. They've built this house. They've sang this song, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever in the house. The house of the Lord was filled with a cloud so that the priest could not stand and minister because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the house. Amazing. What a story. A lot of details, a lot of sacrifices and cherubim and funky names and all of that. But when the people of God gathered in the house and they opened up the doors, God came in. God came in and God came in like only God can come in. He came in and there's this cloud and it's so, so glorious. It was, it was the presence of God. It just, they got, they were there to do a bunch of stuff. They were going to do the really good minister stuff and, and, the, and all the things that God had outlined for them to do, they were going to be good and they were going to do all the right things. And God was like, forget all that. I'm here. I'm going to knock you down. You can't even do all the right things. I'm just here. I'm just here. I wonder if you believe this morning that God wants to fill you with himself. I wonder, if, I wonder if you know this morning that, that, that a church like home isn't just a church in a building. It's not just an experience on a Sunday morning, but that a church like home is actually filled with God. God wants to fill his church with himself. It's what turns it from a house to a home when we will open up the doors and become occupied by the living God. And it's nothing we drum up. God wants to do it. God wants to do it. There's so much that happens in 2 Chronicles chapter 5, and, and this is in the Old Testament, and the Old Testament kind of gets a bad reputation. If you've, if you've been in church or read the Bible much, it kind of gets a bad reputation because that's, all the, that's where all the confusing stuff is, right, and all the, the hard things to read. And there's a, lot of, there's a lot of confusing things in the Old Testament. There's a lot of things in the Old Testament that are hard to read, but the Old Testament gets a bad reputation. I think it's, it's not totally right. And we, we kind of draw some conclusions about the Old Testament that there's like a different God in the Old Testament. But that's not true. Isn't, there's not a different God in the Old Testament. God didn't like become this new nice God when Jesus came. It's all the same God. And throughout the Old Testament, God, the God who we know today, the same God of the New Testament God or whatever, I think I've heard people say that in church. It just doesn't make any sense because my God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so the same God of the Old Testament is the same God that we know today and we'll be getting to know forever. Amen? Amen. This same God is in the Old Testament. He is doing what he's doing today. He's trying to reveal himself. And so there's all of these things that happen in the Old Testament and under what is called the Old Covenant the old covenant of, of how God just said that he was going to deliver kind of himself to his, his people. The old covenant was really kind of constructed around a lot of physical, natural activity or actions or constructs. This is why they built a temple. They built a temple where God was going to dwell. It was a physical building in a physical place. It was why they had these sacrifices. They were physical sacrifices of, of physical animals for physical sin, for physical reason. But, but everything in the Old Covenant, everything in the Old Testament, in the midst of everything that was so physical, it was all a precursor. It was all a, a, a prototype, you could say, of the spiritual reality that was to come. And that's what the New Testament is. That's what Jesus reveals to us in the New Testament. It's not, it's not replacing and, 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 and making void everything that, that God had tried to reveal himself in the past. He's bringing it full circle because it was all a precursor. See, the sacrifices of the animals is a precursor for the Lamb of God. It's the same God. And in the same way, the temple was a prototype of the church. It was a precursor for what God was bringing to the earth. God's desire wasn't to stop by filling a building. 
His desire has always been to fill his people. And 2 Chronicles chapter 5 is, is not just a story of a long time ago, one day back in the Old Testament when some crazy stuff happened and like there was this cloud and we read it. Okay, great, cool. Well, it's Old Testament, let's just skip that. <laughs> Doesn't really make sense. It's, it's not just a story that happened one day. It, it, it's, it's a prophetic picture of how God wants to live with and interact with us, you, the person sitting next to you. It's a revelation of what is available to us as the people of God. If you turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 1, we pick up another story in the New Testament, a story with Jesus. And he's hanging out with his disciples. Jesus has lived his life. He's, he's died on the cross. He's resurrected. He's from the grave. And, and for 40 days, he's been walking around walking through walls, appearing in all these crazy places, revealing himself to people, and he's been telling them even more about the kingdom of God and how they can follow him. In verse chapter 4, we pick up a conversation. After, these, after he's lived, after he's died, after he's resurrected, after he's been showing himself for 40 days, Jesus has this thing to say to his disciples, starting in verse 4, and essentially what he's saying to them is, is guys, this has been good. This has been amazing. This whole God in the flesh on planet Earth thing. <laughs> it's been pretty awesome. And they're like, yeah, this is cool. And he says, as good as it's been, there's more. I just want you to know there's more. Expect expansion, right? My wife's with me. Anybody with me? Okay. We're, we're in this together. He's got this conversation. There's more. There's more. He's had three years with his disciples He's been building them so that people didn't have to come to the temple anymore. They could just come to the people of God and they could encounter God. He's been building them. He's been teaching them and he's been leading them. He's been demonstrating things to them. And in verse four, he says, while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait, but to wait for the promise of the father, which he said, you heard from me for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. He's been building them. He's been preparing them. He's been discipling them, teaching them, leading them, shaping them to be the carriers of the gospel for the nations of the earth. He's been teaching them all of these things, but the last thing he has to teach them, they just need to sit and wait for. Before he releases them to be his body, before he releases them to be his bride, before he releases them to be his temple and take this gospel of the kingdom to all the earth, before they go back to their families, before they go back to their parenting, before they go back to their marriages, before they go back to their jobs and their neighborhoods, they need to wait. They need to wait and be filled with the Holy Spirit. It says, you heard it from me first. John baptized you with water, but I will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. We pick up in the next following verses, I don't know if it's one continual conversation, but we kind of pick up what the next, the next bit of the conversation that we do pick up after Jesus says this. In verse six, it says, so when they had all come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? They respond to his comment about being filled with the Holy Spirit with a, another physical question. He's talking to them about a spiritual reality and they ask another physical question, which is fair, right? It's always been physical right? 
It's always been physical. They, they've always expected a, a political kingdom, a militaristic kingdom. They've always expected that when God came, when the Messiah came, he was going to make it really clear who to vote for. He was going to make it really clear what politics to embrace. He was going to make it really clear that who was right and who was wrong and who was better and who was worse and who was following God and who was really far away and therefore who was better than who. He was going to make it really clear how much bigger and better and smarter and, and, and more American we all are than those who disagree with us, right? That's what, that's what God's supposed to do. So God, when, Jesus, when are you going to come establish the kingdom? When are you going to come show us how right everybody are, that we are? I mean, we're with you, right? Like, we're right. When are you going to show the kingdom? And Jesus tries to bring it back around to the real point in verse 7 and 8. He responds to their physical question by bringing it back to the spirit again. And he said to them, it's, it's not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father is fixed by his own authority. That, all that, 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 that physical, it'll be taking. It's not for you. It's not for you. Verse 8, but you, what is for you, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and to all the ends of the earth. Jesus' last little conversation here with his disciples, and he's got a point to make. He says, it's been good, but there's more. You've been waiting on something physical, but I want to give you something spiritual. You've been waiting for a physical kingdom, but it's different than you thought. And I believe Jesus is making it clear to his disciples that the kingdom that they're waiting for, it's not established by what you know about God. It's established by what you receive from God. This kingdom that you're looking for and anticipating it's not built on what you know about God. It's built on what you receive from God. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Saying you want a kingdom, you want the kingdom of God, just wait. Just wait. And in a few days, you'll be baptized in the Holy Spirit. You will receive power to witness me, to see me in every area of your life at all time, in all circumstances, wherever you go, whatever you're doing, you will be filled with the very spirit of the living God and you will see me everywhere. And that's the kingdom. In Acts, God was building people and it was time to fill them. In 2 Chronicles chapter 5, they had built a temple and it was time to fill it. And then Acts 2 comes. The next chapter, just a few days later after this conversation that they've had, with Jesus. Just like in 2 Chronicles chapter 5 is not just the documentation of a one-time event, we see an activity happen in Acts chapter 2 that is not simply the documentation of a one-time event. In verse 1, it says this, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound, like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled, it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Second Chronicles 5, Acts chapter 2. It's all one story. It's all one God. It's all one heart. It's all one mission, a church like home. We're filled with God. These things are not just stories in a book. They're revelations for us about who God is and what his desire is for you and for me and for the planet. This is our God. 
to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I don't know about you, but I, I grew up in church. I grew up in church. I grew up in a Christian school. And I, I can say that I, I honestly can't remember anyone ever talking about the Holy Spirit. And uh, I'm not, not at all saying it didn't happen. I'm just saying I didn't remember it, which it probably happened. I just probably don't remember it. I just want to be fair, you know. Like, I, I just don't remember it. And so when I was in college, after I had decided to start following Jesus, um, at the end of my freshman year, I had spent the, the summer after my freshman year of college just hungry for Jesus. I wanted to try spending time with God. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know how to read the Bible. I didn't know how to pray, but I, like, tried. <laughs> like, God... I'm, I'm in. Whatever this looks like, I don't know what it means, but I want to I follow Jesus. So I'm, I'm trying to follow Jesus. I go back to school for my sophomore year of college, and I had a friend named, named Matt at the time, and, and he had spent his, my freshman year trying to invite me into like, what we call discipleship, where he wanted to help me try to follow Jesus, but I wasn't interested. But now I was interested. And I remember calling him up and being like, hey, dude, this is probably so weird. Like, uh, would you please like, be my friend again? And he's like, yeah, yeah, awesome, you know, so we're hanging out, and I'm telling him, I just, I'm, I'm hungry for Jesus, I want to know more of Jesus, and, and he's just listening, and he's like, yeah, I, I want to walk with you and help you follow Jesus, he'd been following Jesus a little bit longer than I had, and I remember one day at lunch, he asked me, have you ever heard of being filled with the Holy Spirit, have you ever been filled with the Holy Spirit, and I'm like, I've never really heard anything about the Holy Spirit, you know, I don't, I don't know, and so he's like, okay, well, um, here, I want to, I'm like, what is it? And, and he just talked to me about this, this what we're talking about, that, that God doesn't just want, want to like be around, like he wants to be in you. He wants to be in relationship with you. He wants to walk with you. And I'm like, I don't know what any of that means, but I want God, and that sounds like God, so yeah, cool. So he said, okay, why don't you spend this week, read through the book of Acts. Like, don't, I don't need to tell you about this. Just read the Bible, and here's some teachings that you can listen to on a few different things, and, and then just kind of follow up with me about, like, don't, don't do what I say. Like, read the Bible and do what it says, right? So I spent the next couple of days, read through the book of Acts a couple of times, listened to these teachings, and I didn't know anything other than there was all of these things as I was reading the Bible that apparently had been there the whole time, <laughs> and I had never seen them before. Starting with Acts chapter 1. <laughs> so I remember following up with them a few days later. I'm like, dude, there's a lot in here. And I don't, know the Holy, I don't know anything about this Holy Spirit thing, but he's all over the place. And so if he's, I want that because I want to know God. And he's like, yeah, that sounds awesome, man. Like, me too, you know? <laughs> And so I was like, yeah, I want you to, like, all I see in the Bible is that when, when, when people, like, when people prayed, here came the Holy Spirit. So pray for me. And he's like, cool. So him and, him and another one of my friends, they prayed for me. And I, and I had this awesome encounter with God. And the, the practicals of what exactly happened really don't matter. What matters is that it changed me forever. And I had had kind of moments with God before, but I got filled with something. And it was God. And it changed me. It wasn't just an experience. It, it, it actually shifted who I was. It was like now I, I had kind of wanted God, but there was this now authentic like hunger. It, like, it wasn't even just me anymore. It was like God himself in my life. And I don't know how else to say it, but I got filled with God. And every day since then, genuinely in my life, every day since then has just been the pursuit of being filled with God. Just like, God, I don't know. I don't know. I, just, I read it and you want to fill us, so fill me. I don't know what it means. I don't have answers. I have fewer answers than ever before, but I want God. I want Jesus. So who's the Holy Spirit? We're talking about the Holy Spirit. We're talking about God wants to fill us with the Holy Spirit. 
Jesus himself says, it's better that I go and not be God in the flesh on planet earth. Bold. And most of us, frankly, would really disagree with Jesus on that. How many of you had said, if only Jesus was still, you're going to, yeah, if only. And he's like, no, I know it feels that way, but I'm telling you, there's more. It's better. He says, wait on the promise of the Father. And I'm not saying Jesus wasn't the promise of the Father. I'm just saying there was still more of the same promise. This isn't some denominational idea. This isn't some theological context of who's in and who's out. This is the heart of God to be with his people, that his church be a church like home. So who is the Holy Spirit? Can we talk about him this morning? Because I don't know about you. If you're anything like me, there's a lot of questions, a lot of questions. And, and some of you probably are even like, oh, great. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. This is going to get weird. Because a lot of people have really bad experiences around people because it's like, oh, I said it was from the Spirit. Don't push back. Don't ask me about it. Just let it roll. You know, and it's like people got hurt and stuff. And I'm sorry for that. That's not God. God loves you a lot. So who is the Holy Spirit? Number one, the, the number one lesson we need to learn about the Holy Spirit is that he is God. The Holy Spirit, he is God. He's not the awkward stepchild of the Trinity. You know, it's like God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Bible is like most of our experiences. And we just, it's like, let's not talk about the Holy Spirit because that's like, most of the kind is like, that's like the whooshy stuff, you know, like, woo. He is God. He is God as much as God the Father. He is God as much as Jesus, the Holy Spirit. He is God. He is God. And as God, he can be known as God. Just like we can know God the Father, just like we can know Jesus, we can know the Holy Spirit. You can be in relationship with the Holy Spirit. You can know the voice of the Holy Spirit. You can know the presence of the Holy Spirit. You can know God. You can know God, and he wants to make himself known to you by the Holy Spirit. Who is the Holy Spirit? He is God. Who's God? I mean, who, who is, but who is the Holy Spirit? Figure we can turn to the Bible, maybe, and talk about who, who is the Holy Spirit. In Genesis, the Holy Spirit is hovering over the waters of the deep, pregnant with all of creation. In Exodus 3, he's a burning bush. And in Exodus 13, he's a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. In Leviticus 9, he's supernatural fire that falls from heaven on the sacrifices of the people. In Numbers 9, he's the cloud of the presence over the tabernacle. In Deuteronomy 10, he's the presence or he's the circumciser of the heart. In Joshua, he's the counselor of the Lord's army and the commander of the Lord's army. In Judges, he's the power behind the judges to bring a nation back to God. In Ruth, he's Ruth's sustenance to allow her friendship and relationship with her redeemer. In Samuel, he's the voice of God to the people of God. In Kings and Chronicles, he is the mantle of the prophets. In Ezra and Nehemiah, he is our restorer. In Job, he is our upholder. In Psalms 18, he is our rescuer. And in Psalm 23, he is our shepherd. In Proverbs, he is our wisdom. In Ecclesiastes, he is our purpose. In Song of Solomon, he is our intimacy. In Isaiah 7, he's the revelation of God on the earth. And in Isaiah 60, he's our anointing. In Jeremiah 31, he's our knowledge of the Lord written on our hearts. In Lamentations 3, he's new mercies every day. In Ezekiel 37, he's fire and life in dry bones. In Daniel 3, he's the fourth man in the fire. In Hosea, he is our purity. In Joel 2, he's the outpouring of God on all flesh. 
On Amos, he bears us up under our burdens. And Obadiah, he's the inheritance of the kingdom of God. Do you know the Holy Spirit? Jonah 4, he's the shade tree of compassion. And Micah, he's the, he's the one who declares the coming of the Savior. And in Nahum, he is, the, he, is the, he is slow to anger. And he is great in power. In Habakkuk, he is our righteousness and our faith. And in Zephaniah, he is in our midst. And he's mighty to save. He's rejoicing over us with gladness. And he's quieting us with his love and exulting over you with loud singing. This is the Holy Spirit. In Zechariah 3, I just said that. In Malachi 4, he's the restorer of the hearts. It's just some Bible. In Matthew, he's the revelation of the kingdom of God. In Mark, he's the power of God. In Luke, he's the burning hearts on the road to Emmaus. In John, he's the promised one to come. He convicts the sinner of his sin and the saint of his righteousness. In Acts, he is the life of the church. In Romans 8, he's our adoption by which we cry, Abba, Father. In 1 Corinthians 12, he empowers us. In 2 Corinthians 12, he is strength made perfect in weakness. In Galatians 3, he is grace in our new beginning. In Philippians, he is the power of the resurrection. And in Colossians 1, he is Christ in us, the hope of glory. In Thessalonians, he is our worth. In Timothy, he is our authority. In Hebrews, he is our assurance and he is our endurance. In James, he is our integrity. In Peter, he is our holiness. In 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, he is the trustworthy spirit. In Jude, he is perseverance. And in Revelation 22, he is the companion of the bride of Christ who stands with her calling out to Jesus, come. This is the Holy Spirit. In 2nd Chronicles, the people opened up the doors of the temple and God came rushing in. In Acts chapter 2, God opened up the temple of heaven and he came rushing in. And in his church and in our lives, he wants us to just open up the doors and be filled with God. We must become occupied by the Holy Spirit. If we want it, there's a lot of questions. There's plenty to talk about. There's plenty to work through, and there's things and all of that. But, but, but I want to encourage us all this morning with all the love and faith in my heart to just take our boxes, our boxes of preferences, our boxes of, of experiences, even our boxes of wounds, our boxes of denominations, our boxes of opinions, our boxes of ambition. We need to just take our boxes and open up the doors. Just let them blow up. Before there was a lot to talk about, they had to experience it. In Acts chapter 2, Jesus said, just wait. He didn't talk much about it. Then it happens, and like, wow, we got a lot to talk about. They didn't get filled by the Holy Spirit by working it through and writing it down on paper. They just opened up the doors. Opened up the doors of their lives and said, kingdom of God, come in. We've got to set everything else aside if we want to be a church like home. If you want to be a person filled with the Holy Spirit. If we want to see the kingdom of God come on earth as it is in heaven. It's not complicated, but it's not always easy. It's super simple, but we can do it. All we got to do is say, Lord, whatever, everything else. This is all God asks of you. He was showing you on the cross what it takes. Just, I'm open.
good. He loves you so much. Like you, God loves you so much. And I think the big question that comes up that I have in the middle of all of this, that maybe you do too, we talk about being baptized in the Holy Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit, occupied by God. Ah! How does that happen? How do, how, do we, how do we, you know, I don't know, get that? Is that how you say it? I don't know. <laughs> Something I've been asked a, a lot in talking about this, just in relationships or different times preaching about it, something that question gets asked is, there's kind of a risk when you talk about this. It's like, what are you saying? I'm not good enough, or I don't have this or that. And it's not the point. <laughs> Number one, the point isn't who's in or whatever. We just all want more of Jesus. That's all. I want more of Jesus. And there's kind of this question, like, is this really necessary? <laughs> like, is this necessary? Do you have to have this? Do you, like, who's in, who's out? Do you have to have this? Is this like a club now that we're talking about? Or like, are we all Pentecostals now or whatever? It's like, no, forget the denominations, forget all that stuff. Like, I don't want to talk about any of it, right? It's just Jesus. <laughs> uh, so is this really necessary? And, and I get asked that a lot as a pastor, but I just want to be honest, that's not really a question I can answer for you. I think that's really a question that every one of us has to ask for ourselves is, is this really necessary? Do we have to have this? Are, are we okay without this? Are we okay without more of God? And you need to answer that for yourself, but for me, I'm not. That's where I've landed. I don't know biblically on all these, like, whatever it is. Do you have to do this or that to be filled with the Holy Spirit? And all I don't know. All I know is I have to. I'm not okay without more of the Holy Spirit in my life. I, I'm trying to be a good dad. I'm trying to be a good husband. I'm trying to be a good pastor and a good friend. I'm trying to love people and all that kind of stuff. And I need more of God for all of that. So we can call it whatever who daddy you want to call it. I just need Jesus. So do we need more? I do. I need more of Jesus. I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So if you're okay without it, that's great for you. Good for you. I'm not. And so we're going after more. We're going after more of Jesus. Because I want to be a person like a home for God. And if as a church we want to demonstrate God to the world around us, then we need to walk in the Holy Spirit. We have to walk out in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We have to bear the fruit of the Holy Spirit. We have to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. The world I live in needs it. Needs it. Jesus knew what he was saying. They don't need a new physical kingdom. Okay. They need me. My world, my friends. I had a buddy call me yesterday. My friend needs me occupied with God. He doesn't need my opinions about anything. I guess if there's just one thing I could say, it's like, guys, I'm blown away by this, and I want us to just be blown away by this all the time. Like, God wants to do so much in our lives. He loves you so much, and that's all this series has been all about. I don't know if you've been here for all of it or not, but, like, this is the thing, you know? Second Chronicles chapter 5, if you go through it, it's basically an outline of our series, and I didn't even look at Second Chronicles chapter 5 when we started. Our first week was a church-like home, right? God wants to live with his people. Boom, here he comes. Our second week, we talked about being a people-like family. It says they had no regard for their divisions. They just all came together. It's a people-like family, right? What do we talk about next? We talked about, oh, it's time to wake up. It's time to wake up. They had been without a temple for a long time, and they just decided. Solomon was like, okay, no more of this. It's time. We need a house for God. We're waking up. We're not doing our thing anymore. We need this. 
And then last week, we talked about expecting expansion. We talked about do not hold back. And they just thought, we, we, we can give everything in our lives to God because he'll do more with it than we can. They just stopped holding back. They couldn't even count everything that you brought to God. And then all of a sudden, he filled it. He filled the house. This is what God wants to do with your life. And that's all I really know. And I even know there's a lot of people here who haven't been here before at our church. This is what we care about, being filled with God. So what does it look like? How do we do this? How do we do this? How do we do this? Just just open up the doors. Open up the doors of your life. I'm not going to stand up here and tell you the three steps to getting filled with the Holy Spirit, and this is how you know. (laughs) All I know is God came in like a mighty rushing wind and changed everything. You may, I don't know, I'm not telling you to shake and quake and pray in tongues and all that kind of stuff. I just want Jesus, man, right? I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. If you will live your life open before the presence of God, he will fill you. He will. He will fill you. He will fill you. He will fill you. We talk all the time about waking up and spending time with Jesus in the morning, right? And so many times we look at that like the physical thing, like, oh, if you got to go like build the temple and do the righteous things, it's like, no, 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 no. No, just all spending time with Jesus is is opening the doors, saying, come in, Holy Spirit. (laughs) Occupy me. Occupy me. That's all God wants is an invitation. If if he wanted more than an invitation, he wouldn't have knocked all those priests over. (laughs) No, it sounds scary, but if we'll just keep the doors open, God will come in. God will come into our lives. God will come into your everyday. He'll come into your family. He'll come into your home. He'll come into your neighborhood, your workplace. He'll come into your struggle. He'll come into your situations. He'll come into your need. He will come in and he will do what God does. He will be enough. He will do more than you have ever expected or imagined. We can be filled with God. We can be a church like home. We can be a church like home. Open up the doors and let the Holy Spirit in. You'll just open up the doors, you'll let the Holy Spirit in. And, and, and the, the other thing that it looks like to be filled with the Holy Spirit is once you let him in, let him kick stuff out. Keep the doors open. Let him come in and let him get all the other stuff out. Repent. All the time. Because it's awesome. It's so freeing to repent. Because it means you have nothing to be ashamed of anymore. <laughs> And every time God convicts you of something, every time God's trying to get something out of your life, he's making room for him. He wants to fill you with himself. He's not trying to keep you from anything. He's trying to give you everything. If we can live our lives free before the presence of God, one thing, God, I believe you love me, so come. Ah, I'll have answers. Just come. I know I need Jesus. We're going to do it. We're going to live our lives open, saying, come in. Come into our church services, but come into our relationships. Come in to our doctor's diagnosis. Come into our financial need. Come in to everything that we have. Come into our parenting. Come into our ambitions. Come into our dreams. Come into our desires. Come into our workplaces. God, would you come in and would you manifest yourself in such a way that the rest of the world would look around and see right past me and see who's that God? I want that. We can be filled with God. That's all I have to say without just starting to repeat myself like I've been doing for the last few minutes. I love you guys so much, and I believe that Jesus is doing something in our day, in our time, in this city that the world's never seen before. 
That's what we talked about the first week of this series, and it seems like the more people I talk about, I talk to in our city, pastors or not or whatever, there's just this thing that seems to be happening underneath the surface. I don't know what it is. I don't know how to say it. I don't know what it looks like, but God is like cooking. He's cooking something up, and it's going to be good. And I don't know what it means, but all I know is the one thing that we can be responsible for is opening up the doors. And God, however, whenever, come in. Can we live our lives like that? Awesome. Let's stand and let's worship together one more time in this series as we thank Jesus for his promises. We thank Jesus for his ambition to be with us. As we thank Jesus for his sufficiency. As we thank God for the cry of his heart to live with his people. We're going to just sing this song as as a surrender, right? Like, okay, God, we're in. We're in. Would you come and be with us, Holy Spirit? Let's, <laughs> Let's start by uncrossing our arms and opening up the doors. If you, want, if you want it, you don't have to. You don't have to want it. But if you just want it, you don't have to know an answer. You're not asking for a feeling. You're not asking for an experience. But if you want to just right now in this moment stand before God, just close your eyes just so it's you and him. And just say, God, all I know is my doors are open. Lord, this is all I have. This is all we have, Lord is whoever in this city, whoever in this room is is hungry for you, this is all we have is our hunger, Lord. And would you come in? Would you come in, Lord? Would you come into our lives? And and would you come in and would you knock over everything that doesn't need to be there, everything that we're worried about that needs to get done to please you and appease you? Would you just knock it over and let us realize that if we'll just open up the doors, you'll come. And I ask you now to come, Holy Spirit. Blow through our lives. Blow Blow through our midst. Release the wind of heaven in our day. Release the wind of heaven in our lives, God. Come, Holy Spirit. Come and do what only you can do. I don't care what anybody has to say or think about it, Lord. Come and do your thing. Because you love people. And you want people saved. And you want people healed. And you want people delivered. And you want people alive. So bring life by the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus, send the promise of the Father. Come, Holy Spirit. We welcome you, God. And we just sing this song at the end of this series, the end of this, this six weeks, this six-part message that we've been doing, God. And we just say, we're in. We're in. We're in. We're, we're opening up the doors of our lives. And we invite you to come in, in Jesus' name.